Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. Hey there, Hill Folk, and welcome back to another episode of Appalachian Intelligence. We are extremely, extremely thankful to have y'all join us again for another week for another edition of AI. We're doing a powwow again tonight. We uh, have a bunch of our sibling kinfolk here with us tonight. But like we constantly do here on AI, we've decided to up the ante. You guys have heard us talk about this 40 and Airwaves supergroup. Well, we decided to bring in a couple members of this supergroup joining us tonight, with us tonight, along with our kinfolk, Outlaw, Poppy Joe, Matty O'Daddy, Caleb, and JJ Rose 777, who is going to be emceeing this 40 and airwaves ultimate podcasting conference hell yeah we also have and you just heard that sweet sweet sultry voice we also have (laughs) eric from uncomfortable (laughs) and we have justin and emily from cryptids of the corn so how is everybody doing tonight living the dream doing really well glad to be here guys thanks for the invite yeah better for a monday (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. Well, we're super excited to have all of you here. Uh, this is going to be a blast. Um, you know, it's something that we always try to do, us in the, the the tribe, I would guess, us creators and podcasters, you know, me and Lance and Ryan and, and Justin and Jay and Eric and Steve and Kyle and Joel and Sean and Bo, you know, all this bunch, we – we try our best when somebody has something going on, you know, whether it's a live show or uh, a campfire on a Friday night or whatever's going on. We try to jump in, you know, like Hollis Guy's Night Shifts. We try to jump in. We try to show a little love. We try to, you know, just talk to the crowd and, and the listeners of each show and just kind of mingle. So I decided that since we do these powwows, and this is kind of the way we interact with our community. You know, why not bring these guys in and allow them to, to to do the same for us, you know, to jump in and join us and jump in on the conversations and just come and get weird. Because at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, we're trying to put out decent content. But at the end of the day, 
it's all about hanging out, man, having a good time talking the weird. Yeah. So we're thankful to have y'all, all of y'all, you know, especially you, uh, sibling kin folk, because I mean, let's be real. Y'all are, y'all are kind of paying to be here right now. Eric and Justin ain't paid nothing. <laughs> Bunch of losers. Oh, we're going to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to take a hit for this one. <laughs> but no, we'll, we'll do like we always do. We'll just kind of go around. Uh, we'll, we'll go around the, uh, well, it's not really a shape right now. It's a whole bunch of different boxes, but we'll just start with, with you sibling, you brothers and sisters and see what you've been diving into research wise or what kind of, what kind of experiences maybe possibly are new from the last time we were together. So I'll start, I guess I can go left to right and uh, we'll start with our old buddy outlaw, which by the way, be sure outlaw is also, let's not leave him out of this podcast or mix because outlaw along with his uh, co-host, our boy, Dick Meadows, yeah. Where the hell is this dick at? Grows the <laughs> Why don't we ever get to see the dick? <laughs> okay. We've seen it. It's, he's glorious. <laughs> he grows the finest, Eric. Dick every Meadows. Time, every time I talk to JJ, all she ever says is, I want to see that dick. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Not on brand for me, man. We can't, we can't find him either. But I have seen Dick Meadows, and he is a wonderful man. Oh, oh <laughs> I, man, I was glorious. I was mistaken. And he has an excellent beard. It's a great beard. Yeah, he beard. does. <laughs> <laughs> You can edit me out. You, you can just no. Like, Are you kidding me? me the- Are you kidding me? First of all, we don't, don't edit anything how. around here. Eric. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, Lord. Wait, you have to edit stuff. I didn't know that was a thing. Edit. That's re- don't be ridiculous. <laughs> but no, you got to uh, all y'all listen. Be sure to go check out our boy Outlaw and our boy Dick. Awesome podcast, the Counter Cult podcast they uh they do some deep dives on there they've had some really cool guests including our good friend jj rose uh they got a lot of stuff out there we're planning on going on there pretty soon and kind of doing a a collab swap cast with them uh we've been bouncing schedules around it gets crazy but anyway i'll stop rambling quit talking and we'll get to outlaw outlaw what you been diving into brother all right well first of all uh uh hey fellas uh anyway uh so one of the things that I've been diving into, and this actually started last night. So after we got done recording our episode with uh, one of our guests, um, you guys might have heard of him, uh, Chucky Danger, uh, Charles Stevens. Yeah, he awesome dude. He knows a lot of stuff about Bigfoot, including like he was discovering how they could see an infrared and all that. But, He's a busy man. I just interviewed him two nights ago. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting around the block, man. <laughs> but, uh, no, so after we we got done recording, we just sat down and we were just shooting the wind a little bit. And uh, we were talking about giants and stuff. And, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about uh, the giants and the Nephilim and the. Uh, uh skinwalkers and uh dogmen and all that stuff all the cryptids and we were talking about how um again i'm not gonna preach to anyone but 
uh, him and I and did come from a Christian background. But, um, you know, in the book of Revelations, it talks about how um, uh, I think it's in Revelation 6, 8, um, how the beasts of the earth will kill humanity and all that. Well, we're doing a little bit of deep diving into that then. Um, we were using uh, Gary Wayne as a source. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Awesome guy. Great author. Conspiracy. Yeah. So he talks about in his book how in uh, ancient Israel, when they were kicking the giants out of the land, it wasn't just the giants. Uh, There was also tribes of uh, dogmen and skinwalkers, uh, supposedly. So I kind of agree with that. But we were talking about a little bit about spiritual warfare and um, what are you going to do in the last days when, and again, I'm not trying to preach to anyone, but how do you kill these guys? <laughs> and we were just, yeah, um, throwing ideas back and forth. And, you know, in the Bible always talks about how, um, example, let's use David, uh, David and Moses. One of the things they always did was decapitate a giant. And that was pretty much the only way you could kill one because these guys would uh, heal pretty quickly. I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, I'm pretty sure everyone's familiar with uh, the story of the Kandahar giant. Um, it took, uh, well, so a little bit of background into that. <clears throat> and I promise I won't take too much time. Um, there was a group, a platoon of uh, soldiers that went in there and, in Afghanistan. So they got wiped out. Again, this isn't official in the official records, but they got wiped out by uh, a giant, red haired giant. Um, I can't remember how tall it was, probably about seven to eight feet tall. Uh, estimates as far as how much he weighed was close to 1,500 pounds, give or take. Again, I don't know uh, all the exact details. But again, it took, so they sent in this uh, special forces group to go look after this platoon. And this is when they encountered the giant. Um, this giant speared one of these uh, operators, and they were all just stunned, man. And it took, uh, eventually it snapped out of it. Um, but they just completely unleashed hell on this giant with all the bullets and whatever they had. But from the sources said the firefight lasted 30 seconds to a minute. Again, that's give or take, but just imagine that. So you got American special forces up against this giant and it takes 30 seconds to a minute just to eliminate them. And these guys have the best training in the world the best uh the best uh weapons available to man right now and again 30 seconds to a minute uh, that's got to tell you something about these uh giants but eventually uh these uh i guess the only way they could kill it was uh taking headshots at this giant so i mean uh where am i getting at here but anyway, so long story short, <laughs> sorry guys, I'm uh, 
still trying to get my thoughts gear up together on this, but all right, ADD is dangerous. And I, I mean, you guys know me. I've already been doing a little bit of drink <laughs> before the show, <laughs> but so again, um, apparently the only way to kill these things is decapitation. Um, and also with, um, are you guys familiar with the Stardust Stardust Ranch incident? Mm-hmm. How certain other creatures, beings, whatever you want to call them, they bullets don't work on them, but for some reason, bladed or blunt instruments work perfectly against them. So, I mean, again, yeah. uh, that's what dude what you will. Us. That's what dude at Stardust was doing. He had like a katana was taking off gray heads left and right. Just yeah. Swapping them. Looked like Michonne on Walking Dead, son. <laughs> <laughs> and there, uh, one of the things that caught my eye, though, it's interesting. Um, there was a theologian, uh, Chuck Missler. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him. But he was talking about how actually solid copper is effective against uh what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say spiritual beings, but something in between, you know what I mean? Like giants and dogmen or skinwalkers. So again, I'm still trying to get all the facts on all this, all the bases. So hmm. but well yeah, I mean that's definitely interesting. And you can go, I mean there's there's biblical references, you know, like when David was was going out and, and battling against some of these at tribes, you know, and then you have Joshua and Caleb. And, you know, I, I know specifically with David at one point, the Bible, it, it talks about um, like a specific kind of of weapon and the way that it's worded. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's worded in a way that. I don't know. Like, I think most translations just say sword. But if you go back and look at the Hebrew, it means something along the lines of like a a, a new technology and weapon. Yeah. Right? Something along the, I don't know. It's I can't remember exactly how it goes. But, I mean, it is there. Like, it's there if you dive into it and look at it. And you're right. Like, when David kills Goliath, what does he do? He goes and he picks up Goliath's sword and he chops Goliath's head off. You know, and a lot of theologians say, well, it was just to use as a trophy or whatever. But I mean, maybe, maybe it had to be done. Maybe that's the only way, you know, you see it a whole lot in, in the mainstream in Hollywood. Any kind of these supernatural forces that come against man, what are they always doing? Aim for the head, taking <laughs> off the head. So who knows, man? I mean, it's, I think when you're looking at the book of Revelation, I, I don't think, and obviously, you know, if you believe in a, a biblical worldview and, and that's where you fall and line up with, like I do, I don't even think we can begin to imagine what what that's going to look like and what's kind of coming. I mean, we already see how much weird is in the world today yeah. as I feel like this veil between the physical and the spiritual starts to thin more and more and more every day. Shoot. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. I agree, man. That's one of the things I was talking about with one of our listeners is um, there's definitely some type of convergence happening. I mean, 
you see uh, more and more of these cryptids and uh, now giants as well and um, like other supernatural uh, beings out there that are um, appearing more and more. So yeah. think of that what you will. Yeah. Well, the world's definitely getting weirder every day. Feels like we're living in a movie. Yeah. Anybody else thoughts? Thoughts on that, uh that's not the only well, weirdness that's uh, going on. <laughs> no. <laughs> there, there's some other weirdness that's going on that uh really doesn't have anything to do with biblical or or stuff. And anybody watch uh, uh Mitch McConnell's speech uh, that he gave the other day in front of us uh, where he seized up for 22 seconds when he had the stroke just went completely blank. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he had a micro stroke and I, anybody who listens to my show knows that I do not delve into conspiracy theories. I yeah. love them, but I don't get into them. I don't talk about them because they're, they can go any, any number of different ways. And if I don't have the right answer to it, and I put out my thoughts on it and somebody agrees with me and I'm wrong, then I just made somebody else wrong too. <clears throat> but a good friend of mine and Justin England's uh, and, and you guys, uh, Joel Thomas, he, 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 he would get under my skin. He'd use this terminology and it was called meat sack. And uh, I don't know what it is about that term that really just gets me fired up, but I can't stand it. I absolutely hate it. But what I saw during that, <laughs> what I saw during Mitch McConnell's uh, little address there, um, from the outside looking in, looked like the guy had a micro stroke. But when you go back and you'll watch it again, there is a woman, he's talking, there is a woman that comes into view from the left side of the screen behind all the guys that are off to the left of Mitch. They, as she gets there, they start to kind of part the sea to make room for. Her. And she is walking with a mission. She walks through the people. She gets to the side of Mitch. And then she just raises her hand. And with the back of her hand, she taps Mitch's hand. She taps his right hand. And as soon as she does that, he stops talking and goes into his. Now. If you watch that video, you got to watch it a couple of times because at the same time that she taps Mitch's hand and he goes into La La Land, the guy that is standing over his right shoulder, a taller gentleman in a suit, he leans back and looks over towards where that woman is and does some kind of wiggly eyebrow thing and gets a shit-eating grin on his face. Like... All this is going on at the same time that Mitch just, he snaps off. And if you watch it, that's some weird shit, man. That's like, she came, I don't know what he was talking about. I don't know. I don't know what his conversation had anything to do with, but I do know that when she walked up and tapped him, he blinked out. And at the very same time, that guy looked over the shoulder and just kind of raised his eyebrows and got a shit eating grin on his face. Like, okay, here we go. So if you go onto YouTube and you watch McConnell's speech and watch it, look for the lady in the green uh, pantsuit. Uh, 
and then watch the guy over his right shoulder. It's it's weird. I don't know what the hell is going on there, but it's like somebody came up, hit his off switch, and I don't know, man. <laughs> it's really, really weird. Freaking lizards. That is, that is interesting. Those lizards are always glitching out, man. Always. <laughs> Lizard you know, people. And, and, and I'm, I don't, I'm not. I'm not in that. I'm not in that group. I'm not. You know. But I'm telling <laughs> you, you that, that's now. some. That's that, some weird shit, man. That is weird shit. Justin England, biologically, <laughs> biologically, could a lizard man, lizard person, wear a human meat sack and make it look that good? <laughs> that good. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, what you know what I mean. <laughs> to each Mitch his own. He's looking a little waxy. Okay. <laughs> He's looking maybe, a little waxy. Maybe I think Mitch McConnell's hot, JJ. You don't don't judge me. And that's why they pick really old people, is because it's easy. There's a lot of skin folds and you can wear it a lot easier. It's just there you, you know, go. It's hard. Yeah, I bet you're right. Twenty five or thirty years old, you know. There you, you go. The, the spines p- picking out of the cheeks and stuff like that. When it's all flapped, you just wear it. <laughs> no, uh, it's, I think, I mean, we just looked it up. He's 81 years old and it could be something really weird or it could just be an all timers moment. I really think we have the biggest, uh, what would you call it? Nursing home in the U S government that there is. Gerontocracy. <laughs> Good Lord, man. <laughs> yes. if, if that ain't the truth. Between yes. him and Biden, and and I'm not oh, one way or the other oh, politically. Pelosi, but my God, when you you know when you listen to Biden talk, and he can't string together a cognizant sentence to save his freaking life, Fuzzy. and then you got guys who are having my, micro strokes. Who these people are running the government? Yes, okay. That's the that's that, the point I'm getting at. These are the guys that are making together, the decisions. Term limits. limits. Yes. Absolutely agree with that. That being said, Mitch McConnell did have a fall and a concussion the week before. Freezing is also something that can go, you know, along with different various diseases. Legally, we are not allowed to speculate on the diseases of any other person, being that we're not doctors. But I'm a doctor, JJ. Oh, well, I played one on TV. He's not, JJ. I'm a web MD. <laughs> in fact, I played one in Ohio earlier this weekend. I'm our <laughs> local I'm our local Ridge Witch doctor. Don't come you at me with your legal Webb, terms. You know I have a PhD. WebMD has killed me. <laughs> All I'm saying is there is something weird along with what Eric was saying, because Diane Feinstein, I'm not sure if you guys all know. because I forgot about know, her. She's like 150. Okay, she is in a wheelchair and literally has to be told how to vote. Oh, right yeah. Now. I mean, and they're asking her to step down and she refuses. And then the same with Mitch. And there's a couple others that are in pretty dire straits health-wise. And they're keeping them in. And they're on both sides of the table. It's not even one side. So why? I don't know, JJ. It, it's uh, just because... My personal belief on the whole matter is that none of these people are actually calling any shots at all. They're old puppets. (laughs) They're old puppets that are easily uh, dragged around by a carrot on a string or ice cream, and they can get whatever they want out of them by saying, 
hey, we'll take you uh, to bingo next week if you just come and make this speech and say exactly what the teleprompter tells you to say, including in quote. Listen, <laughs> when you put it that way, bingo and ice cream. <laughs> That's called ice cream social here in Ohio. Listen, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Tell me what to say. You know, now when you got to have, when you got to have, when you got to have kids around so the president can sniff them to get them to go somewhere. Uh, yeah, that's a little. We can do it a little less of that. <laughs> a little less. Just but a yeah. little less. I, fully, I agree on so it. It don't matter, Republican, it's, Democrat. It's yeah. all the same team. It's all the, yeah. it's all the same team. I, I've declared libertarian. I'm done with both <laughs> those sides. It's all a circus. It's Once they close those doors and shut the cameras off, they're all high-fiving. Both sides of them across yeah. the aisles are high-fiving saying, yeah, we got them running. We got them running. Yeah. I'm right wing, left wing, same bird. I'm same right bird. now. I am, I am RFK all the way Oh, until honey. he changes my mind. I don't, I don't like know, to hear Ryan. him talk. I don't know, you just, Ryan. Don't like his voice. You just like watching his Instagram where he's shirtless and doing all them push-ups <laughs> hey, and stuff. Dude, is, like, dude is buff, man. He is Listen, he's putting in work. He makes a lot of sense, man. Chuck Norris certain needs things. to run for president. I agree. Chuck Norris all the way. <laughs> he's too old, too. I love yeah. Chuck Norris, but he's too old. There's he's a reason you don't see old, it. Eric. There's a reason you don't see him on TV much anymore. Really quickly, mm-hmm. let's welcome our newest entrance here into the Royal yeah. Rumble. Also a member of the 40 and Airwaves Supergroup. Bo Kennedy of the Bump Podcast. Bo, what's up, brother? <laughs> hey, what's going on? Thank Bye. you for the invitation, man. I, I just jumped off here with uh, uh, a, a session I had going on with this guy. It's the first time in, I don't know, probably six months that somebody wanted to talk about Bigfoot, so I couldn't miss it. Sorry, I'm late. No, you're good, man. We still got people coming in. And speaking of Bigfoot, guys, we've got one coming into the to the room right now. But we'll uh, give him a second. It looks like he's taking a minute. We'll go on around the circle since we uh, <laughs> got a little sidetracked in politics there. Who's coming Sorry. in? Oh, no. Sorry. Outlaw. Like you said Bigfoot was coming in? Like yeah, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Actually, Bigfoot is coming <laughs> into the room. So first, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just want to tell the game. We officially win the game if that happens. But I got to tell Ryan real quick. I'm also registered as a libertarian. I was here for that. So I'm with you, brother. Thank you, Bo. And it's so good to meet, finally meet you, man. Yeah, man. Likewise. Yeah, well, Maynard was coming in. I don't know what happened. The hospital staff might have cracked down on him as they caught him trying to come in. <laughs> oh, man. To the room. Poor Maynard. They just took a snack pack away from him and told him he wasn't getting any more for a week. <laughs> you let me tell you something. They don't give that man some snack packs. I'm going out there. We'll go to Arizona. Tomorrow. I'll give him some snack packs. All right, we'll go on around the room here. Poppy Joe. Yeah, Poppy. Our newest hey. member to the powwow team. What, what have you so been you, diving into, brother? What's well, Justin, remember, on? you said I could have my own walk-on music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you want to play? Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. With my luck, the, the mic will filter it out. But No, nah, go for it. Yep, oh. not hearing anything. Not <laughs> hearing anything. Okay. Okay. It looks like a good time. <laughs> Nothing? Nothing at all. 
damn this mic. All right. <laughs> it looked like a Next good time. time, though. It looked like a good time. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what have I been working on? Um, so there was a book that Matteo, hey, Matteo, Matteo Daddio, uh, recommended for me that I really got into. A uh, guy named Tom O'Neill wrote this book, Chaos, about the Intel community involvement in the Manson case. Mm, yeah. So I, I ripped through that one. Um, the interest there was I, I've got kind of a remote personal connection to MKUltra. Someday maybe I can talk about that. I'll have to consult my legal counsel. Yes, please. But uh, that that was mind-blowing. So thanks for that, Matteo. Um, so, I, you know, since I started, since I joined and I started binging <clears throat> all the episodes and then all the other podcasters that are part of our ecosystem here, it's just been drinking from the fire hose. But um, one that I got into was, you know, just – you all have talked about this on the – you know, the different episodes, but just the, uh, you know, giants in America, the skeletons they found. Um, what fascinated me about that was the fairly recent Smithsonian cover-up. And that's been going on for probably over a century. But recently, somebody had published an article about this, and then it ended up on some clickbait site and went viral. And then all of a sudden, all of the same fact-checking mills that are out there that have told us, oh, you know, COVID didn't happen in a lab. That's not true. Uh, you know, there was nothing on Hunter's laptop. All these same places, Snopes and PolitiFact, all jumped in to say, oh, well, it's not true that the Smithsonian covered up skeletons of giants. That they were That was just a hoax. So I was reading, uh, there's a couple of things, Richard Dewhurst, Giants That Ruled America. This was so uh, prevalent at the time that both uh, Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln mentioned it either in their speeches or their letters. Yep. Everybody at that time just said, oh, yeah, that is giants. Yeah, I, my neighbor found one the other day. And so what people would do is they would dig these up, and then someone from the Smithsonian would say, hey, you know, we really should study this why don't you send it to the smithsonian and then you know like the ark of the covenant they just disappear which i'm sure you're all familiar with but this again this was i had heard about this but i i had never realized the extent of this this cover-up so that was really cool it also connected to one of my older obsessions back from my days in the people's people's republic of massachusetts um there's a guy named Jim Vieira who is a stonemason in Massachusetts. He talks like me, like, like a mass hole. Um, <laughs> and he had done all of these videos on the old stone structures, which, um, you know, we used to have, we used to go down the street or I'd be driving home from work and you just see these things that they, they said were uh, root cellars. But, you know, if you've ever read Manitou and, and, and all of that stuff, it's no, these were, chambers that were aligned astronomically and you know there was evidence of a, a whole culture right so he he's got a video about that but he documented in um deerfield massachusetts 
he went to this museum doing so they used to actually have giant skeletons there and the state came and said no we have to reinter these because they passed a law saying any indian remains have to be reburied you can't display them which kind of makes sense but now that now they're not there now there's no evidence but this museum actually had a scrapbook of clippings going back to the 1800s of all the and and that's the thing is with you know, with the internet, how do you really know any of this is true? Like, like, okay, there's somebody said there was an article in, in, you know, the Peoria Tribune about a, about a giant. Well, where are those records, right? It's maybe on microfilm somewhere, but they actually had the clippings. Um, so, so that I thought was really cool. Um, if I'm, so if that, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there's over, over 400 newspaper articles from that time yeah, that and, 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 yeah from all yes. across the u.s that talk yes about and, and my fear skeletons. is that they will all go down the memory hole along with the skeletons but so i'm hoping somebody like gets a hold of that scrapbook and puts in the vault somewhere because that's what they can do nowadays they can make all of this stuff go away and the next generation will know nothing about it there's actually a instagram channel um what's the guy's name Giants, ah, oh crap! Giants of America, Giants of something. I've heard he him was on, on Blurry Creatures, wasn't he? He was on Blurry Creatures. He was on Bo's show too. I'm about That's positive. Right. Yeah, Bo, you probably know more about this than than anybody. This dude has got an entire collection of a bunch of these articles, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Travis, I think it's Travis. Travis Roy. Yep. That's yeah, man. Name. He's he's got stockpiles of of old articles and stuff. Um, you could do he he needs to have his own show, man. He's got he so much material. Like I've had him on twice, and what do we cover? Maybe a dozen cases, and it, it's just it's just so much. And he's super friendly. He don't mind sharing his information. Um. His whole Instagram account is dedicated to just he's he just like takes screenshots basically of of articles. So yeah, it's a, it's all on there, man. He'll he'll share it with you. Yeah, that's a national treasure right yeah. there. So, uh, Papa Joe, I got so Adam Benedict's books, uh, Monsters in Print, Mysteries in Print, and Ghosts in Print. He went through and he has monstrous books. Of all these old news articles of everything from you know, Bigfoot to giant skeletons, the lake monsters all through the U.S. Library of Congress, it's massive. So that's what we've used for some of our episodes on the giants of North America. It's another really super cool resource that he's went through. And literally the oddities in print is like almost half a foot thick. And all it is is just pretty much Xerox newspaper articles that he's typed out, you know, word for word, whatever, in that. And you, uh, I think you were trying to like the, the, uh, the thing is called NAGPRA you were talking about, and I can't remember what exactly it stands for. Basically it's this, it's this act that came forward. We've done a lot of episodes on the Smithsonian. They're a crazy institution, but NAGPRA is an act put forward for native American cultures that still exist today to reclaim their artifacts and their ancestral remains from public, uh, uh, like observations, so museums or, you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. Most of the time, the people that are using it was designed for to use, like, let's, so in our county in Michigan that we go up to when we have a cabin, 
there's like a little tiny county museum that has Native American stuff. Through NAGPRA, the the group that lives there, instead of taking their articles back, they are kind of on commission, if that makes sense. They're being observed on commission. That's what NAGPRA is for. The Smithsonian, though, has used NAGPRA since its enactment, I believe, 2008. I may be off on that. I've been drinking for about two hours now. Uh, but I believe it's 2008. Since then, they have confiscated over. So once again, this act, NAGPRA, is designed for Native American tribes that still exist, that still exist to get back those articles and their remains for their own cultural benefit. Uh, they that the Smithsonian and the U.S. government has gone ahead and used NAGPRA to claim remains and artifacts that there no tribes exist for them, whether they're giant or whatever doesn't really matter for this part. They have confiscated over 800,000 artifacts and over 100,000 remains since I believe it was 2008. Am I off? What, what year was it? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, 90, or 98. So since then, they've almost a million artifacts and almost, or well over 100,000 remains. And you know what the Smithsonian did with them? They reburied them at an undisclosed location. They were going to everything from these county museums. And I mean, like, you know, county museums. I don't know if you guys have them where you're from, but here in Ohio, our part of Ohio, they're like in the corner of our county office. You know, it's like three bookcases that normally have a couple arrowheads, a knife, and, you know, maybe something else. Uh, So for everything from that to major museums have been confiscated. The Smithsonian's used this act to confiscate materials. So it's completely being used against the article's uh, intentions. It was when I, what I believe is 100% a thing that was needed that a organization used completely against what it was designed for. Because like our tribes in Michigan, for example, they needed to get those articles back because they were being put on display with no credit and just kind of you know, talked about without any Native American consultation. And so they should have been able to get their stuff back. You know, It's their stuff. But the Smithsonian's using these articles just to basically take everything and then put it in a hole in the ground that know where they're talking about. That's what they did with the mammoths. I mean, that's what Joe, you know, one of the Joe Rogan episodes, you know, they sent all the mammoths to uh, the Smithsonian and they just threw them in the river. And now they're diving in the river, pulling them out of the river. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Freaking Smithsonian. Jay works there. I know. Jay's there right now. Which one? <laughs> Which one, one of the J's? One through 800. Uh, yeah, there we go. One of them. Freaking <laughs> Jay and Jay's clones, Smithsonian uh, rejects. Hey, look, Lance is back. Because <laughs> I was talking. <laughs> when Justin starts talking, Lance has to leave. I see him. He looked like a flash. <laughs> that was a camera glitch. I don't know. That was the run of a man who had a poop. <laughs> actually my little one was was hollering that i needed to come put her to sleep oh yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. What did, you use, did you use the hold i showed you <laughs> <laughs> but no that's travis roy at giants of ancient america on instagram you can go check that out and all of his stuff or just give him a Google. You could probably find all of these articles that he has on all this stuff. He really, really dives deep into all of these different articles that talk that's talking about giants, you know, being recovered and found and, and 
uncovered, you know, back in 1800s, early 1900s, all that stuff. So if I'm not mistaken, isn't, isn't there a woman? Is she, is it in Aruba? Uh, yeah, she came on the, the strange road guys and done a, an episode with them. Oh yeah. Um, but they still have some that are on display there. Yeah, they do. Uh, what's her the name? You know, Pacific area too, still on display. If you ask to see them. Yeah. But even when you talk to some of these people in some of these locations, you almost have to have like a, a special pass to go in and, and see some of these things. I think this lady that was in Aruba was kind of talking about talking about that. I don't remember her name either. And I haven't been drinking, so at least you mm-hmm. guys have an excuse. But you no, man, forget, I mean there's uh, don't forget Adam Stokes. Yeah, yeah, Adam Stokes. He, yeah. Yep. He does some deep dives into all this stuff. And his the way that he that what he does specifically is he finds all of these, or not finds, but researches and dives into all these ancient giant artifacts or, or burial places that have been found and looks at um, the, the, the writing and how everything is like a Semitic kind of, their Semitic ties to what he's finding in North America and what's over you know, in the Middle East and coming from there. Somebody just let out a good one. I don't know who was that. Emily. My bad. Emily? Hey, Adam Stokes. uh, Adam Stokes wrote a book called From Egypt to Ohio. Yep. You guys guys get a copy of that? Yep. Yeah, that that breaks down how, like, uh, I guess he's thinking the tribes of Israel or whatever come over here. And, uh, Pretty compelling stuff, you know. Pretty well, it kind of it kind of circles back to how Outlaw started us out with these giant tribes in Israel being ran out by Joshua and Caleb and all of these these tribes of Israel. Then, and then as they're fleeing Israel because they're being hunted down, they just start making their way on across, you know, into Europe and then across the pond into North America, and you start finding all of this different Semitic. There's actually a the Michigan it's it's the Michigan artifact some kind of something there that he found and was talking to us about that it's like a Semitic language I mean it's a bunch of Semitic characters and and all of this different stuff that they found in Michigan that dates Bro, back. Interesting that you uh, brought that up because uh, are you guys familiar with uh, Chief Joseph Riverwind? Uh. uh I've heard the name. I'm not extremely familiar. On one of his shows, he was talking about how um, some of the tribes here, uh, they had uh, uh, stone tablets reminiscent or uh, similar to the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't know how uh, the whole story of that, but it's just that's definitely connecting dots right there. This, yeah. this is all over the, the episode that I just recorded. It won't come out till September. Um, but it's the uh, Michigan Aboriginal Project. Have you all heard of him? On James no. Lady. Aboriginal? James yeah, Lady. Yeah, James Lady. And he's uh, he reached out to me, man, and sent me all kinds of these audio files. He's recorded tons of uh, of clips 
of what he suspects to be giant tribes or, you know, Sasquatch in the UP. And he, you know, he's of the mindset right now through his research that these are, you know, biblical giants, remnants. Hmm. It, it's very compelling, too. He's good, man. He's got some legit stuff. I, I, I cannot wait for that episode to come out. I might bump it up in the queue a little bit just to get it out there. Bump it's it good. up. You see what he did there? <laughs> oh, bump yeah. It see that? <laughs> it's just so natural, man. I can't help it. You're so <laughs> tricky, Bo. You're so tricky. <laughs> Might have to bump it up. No, that's awesome, man. That's that's really I'm I'm super interested in all that. So I can't wait to hear that episode. And Poppy Joe, I'm glad that you brought that topic up because it's it's really intriguing, man. I mean, you look at all this stuff and I mean people are finding it. It's there. So it has to mean it has to mean something. It has to come from somewhere. I mean, I don't feel like a bunch of of white colonial settlers are going to come in and just say, Hey, I'm going to write a bunch of uh, a Semitic language here on this, this rock tablet and bury it somewhere. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. It's definitely strange, man. It's definitely strange. Well, I guess we'll move, we'll move on. Oh, go ahead, Justin. I just got to say, this is something that I think a lot of people look over with the giant thing is that, what would you guys consider an actual giant? How big? Like the average port. You know, we have some big humans. We have some big people in our culture, but they're not proportional. So right. I'm talking about proportional people. How big would you call a giant? Yeah, I'm going to say there is a particular female on Instagram that is seven feet tall that I enjoy watching. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't consider her giant. Well, you know, in Shaq, all giant. Like, what are they all seven foot tall? Shaq is is enormous, and he's muscular and proportional. You know, I I mean, he's a tall dude, but I wouldn't consider him a giant. I, if, for me, a giant would have to be starting to crest that close to 10, 11, 12 foot yeah range. Well, I know, think to be considered I, a giant. I think for me, it has more to do with that two to one ratio. Right. So Shaq. Yeah, I think it has more to do with that. The width has to be half the height. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And right. they can they can kind of tell that with bone structure. You know mm-hmm. uh, that that's the thing when they when they dig up these these giants and they find these things. The reason that they classify them as giants is because they're so broad, they're so wide. So when you have like that that seven and a half, eight foot tall person, but they're four feet wide. Like the the bone structure is you know three three and a half feet wide, so you you take into account the musculature and the the fat that's going to be on the outside of that. You're finding that two to one ratio. That's all that's been described all throughout mankind as this is what classifies somebody as being a giant. Is they're half as wide as they are tall. So to that, every all for your all your listeners at home. Just Google on your own time how big a Denisovan was, as in the people, a Denisovan. You'll get conservative answers of seven and a half feet tall on the lower end, mm. all the way up to nine foot on the taller end. Uh, personally, I'm one that believes they probably hit 10 foot. And that was a group, uh, it's a fossilized group of human, of us, of humans. They're just a whole different, you know, different species of human. 
that existed that we have fossilized remains of that we knew existed and they were primed right across the land bridge at 44,000 years ago. So way before we still, we still have some of their DNA in some cases, some people. It may be, I'm not, I don't know that for sure. I know we have Neanderthal, Mm. uh, but I don't know about the Denisovans. The Denisovans also preyed upon other humanoid species. So this whole thing with giants eating people, and how so there's what's called genetic fear. Uh, there's genetic knowledge passed on in all species. Humans don't realize how much we actually have. It's genealogical trauma. Yeah. yeah. So we're most humans are scared of snakes. Most humans are scared of spiders because those animals in general are dangerous to us in a natural state. Now, you know, we're we've we're past that point. You know, the only way you really get bit by a rattlesnake is you mess with a rattlesnake. The only way you get bit by a black widow is you mess with a black widow. And then we have anti-venom, all that stuff. This third fear, though, that most genome—it's this uh, genetic fear—is the fear of human-like things. Yeah. So, Uncanny Valley. Yeah, Uncanny Valley. People mm. get freaked out by mannequins. People get freaked out by dolls. And uh, a lot of geneticists believe that maybe because we were preyed upon by something that was human-like, but not quite human, as in what clowns. We Wow. <laughs> for sure bro yes. but it's just you know it's human shaped and he's right you know you know it's human shaped but it's, there's that difference and it freaks us out it really freaks us out because every that that lizard part of your brain screaming you gotta get away from that thing that thing eats us you know it's time we gotta move so this whole thing with the denisovans is that they were in the right place at the right time to get to north america <clears throat> on the first land bridge uh what we consider modern humans were also there but they didn't cross the first time. They crossed the second time. Yeah, because the first ones that went over would eat you. <laughs> <laughs> and the short-faced bear existed. Still. Yeah, those big-ass bears. Time, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So the short-faced bear specifically loved eating people. That's what they're humans like us. Their skulls are just like, they'd pop us like grapes. Uh, and they were a lot of them on the first time, and there was none of them on the second time. So the second time was a lot easier of a walk. <laughs> yeah. See, humans have always been really smart. Way smarter than what we give them credit for. I ain't walking out there. There's bears. Yeah. yeah. Cannibal right. giants. There's giants and bears and Bigfoot, oh my. Bigfoot fighting these giant ass bears. And witches that'll turn you into a new. We do not. <laughs> not all of you, JJ. Thank you. Most Not of all us. of you. She's some. Some. <laughs> Listen, we watch Disney, JJ. We know what you do. <laughs> no, no. Do you know how much time and energy it takes to do naughty spells? Yes. Like yes, that? I do. It does. It takes <laughs> such a long time. See? So, you know, who wants to put the time and energy to do all that? That's why I can't get y'all stickers out because I'm spending so much time and energy into doing naughty spells. <laughs> Oh man! I'll see, Justin. This is why you're going in a jar. (laughs) I like naughty spells. (laughs) I had a naughty spell this past weekend. (laughs) Your Lord Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of humans that aren't human, I guess I'll jump in. That was a nice caveat. Thank you, Justin. Uh huh. Uh, So, besides just you know paying attention to all the disclosure and the majority reaction of people who are just being completely apathetic about all of it. 
And the fact that um, leprosy is making a comeback in Florida. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah good times. <laughs> um, as well as all the other, you know, apocalyptic things that are happening. I've been really kind of dipping down into the injured colds um, lore. And that, of course, comes from the Mothman flap over in your guys' side of the world in 1966 in West Virginia. And he was the one that Woody Derenberger saw and conversed with who Woody called him an E.T. or an alien. Well, when you take the parallels between Woody and his encounter with this injured cold and Christopher Bledsoe, who's very current right now, and the woman that he sees and the orbs that he's able to call, they're very similar stories of what both men go through and what they see. And it's interesting because, you know, back in 66, what he called injured and alien, Christopher Bledsoe, I don't really know what he's calling the beans, whether it's in di- interdimensional or what, but it got me thinking back to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, as you do. Um, and when you read Logical. it, Genesis, that tracks. Right? totally, <laughs> you know, in, in Genesis 19.3, it talks about when the two quote unquote angels show up, how, you know, Lot brings them in and feeds them and houses them. So they were a physical form that could eat food, just like injured cold, just like some of the beings that Chris Bledsoe had conversed with. So then it makes you wonder, are they all the same thing? And we're just giving them different names throughout history. And what exactly are these? Because normally when you think of angel, right? Something from a spiritual realm, it doesn't need to physically eat, drink water, sleep. But yet these beings all did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they all had the, um, it seems like, you know, all throughout scripture, they all have the the capability of taking on human form. If you go all the way back to, to Genesis 6, or if you go up to where you're talking about, you know, God sending messengers of the Lord to speak with, with these people. And what are they always saying? First words out of their mouth, do not fear, right? Do not fear. So even though they're taking on this human form, there there kind of had to be something there that that and and you're talking about like in, with Abraham and Lot and that whole instance to where these angels came and they dined with them. What happened? Like the people in the city, they surrounded the entire area and are trying to beat down the door, saying, "Hey, let us have sex with these these beings, whatever they are. Let us have sex with them." Right, which is weird because when you think about it instinctually we knew that they weren't us but they presented close enough like us that it's almost like we instinctually knew that they would need to eat rest things like that they weren't so different yeah that those things wouldn't ring a bell i mean i think you're hitting on something really really key there and that's kind of you know that's kind of where we're all operating right now you know what are these things you know, is are these spiritual beings, and I'm talking, you know, ETs, uh, these UFOs and UAPs, and everything that's going on with all this. You know, Chris Bledsoe's whole thing going on. You know, injured cold. All of these different 
ET encounters or, or UFO UAP encounters, it's just like CE5, right? What do they do? Yeah. They're not going out there in the desert with, with all of the, I mean, they do have technology and they do, they are doing it science-based, but you have a group that's coming together in a meditative state that are performing incantations and rituals to try to make contact and to summon these, these beings and these crafts. Okay. If there's, if there's not something spiritual going on with them, then why does it work? Right. And so, you know, during religion, you had religious people doing these things together. And in the pre-religious days, when some people will call them pagan, you had people also getting together and doing something similar, which we would today call witchcraft. This stuff has always existed. The only thing that has changed was when the church really moved in and basically said, convert or die. A lot of the old information of how to converse with these beings was lost to the general public. So it was isolated to a select few within the church or, you know, people had to kind of go undercover in order to keep, you know, people like me alive. Right. So it's, it's very interesting, but I just, there was another article today that came up that was talking about the Ashkenazi Jews and their DNA. There's a rumor going around that their DNA is awfully similar to recovered alien DNA from some of these supposed craft during this whole disclosure project. So that kind of blew me away as well. and was kind of also tying into what Justin from Cryptids was saying about the Nephilim and the giants and that whole back history and how, you know, human beings, when you look at the, the tree of where we supposedly came from and all these weird offshoot branches that just kind of died off, there was more than one kind of human. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we know. What do they call the... What's the super little people, Justin? What are those called? So there's Homo florensis and Homo habilis. Yeah, florensis. That's what I was thinking about. I mean, we had like you know, back to just the evidence. What's there? I mean, we've we've seen the skeletons of all these different kinds of. So then it, it goes into if you look scripturally and biblically, and and you think about it in all these different ways. I mean, yeah, it kind of tells us that all of these things existed, right? Mm-hmm. But then you always have science that's trying to say, oh, well, no, this is, you know, whatever, yada, yada, yada. yada. And I'm not trying to crap on science. I'm, I'm not hey, doing hey, that. Hey. I'm not trying no, to crap I, on science. Just taking on you, Justin. But uh, I'm just saying <laughs> the evidence, you know, we have it in writings. And it, not even just talking Bible, but if you look at all of these ancient texts, they all talk about different creatures. They all talk about different sized people. They all talk about, you know, all of this different stuff that we see, you know, hundreds and thousands of years later in mythology. And we see all the way up to today in, in the things that we're seeing and, and witnessing. And, you know, like somebody said earlier, is this something that we're, just, or I think it was actually JJ, or, or is this just the same thing that we're just putting different titles on? you know, all throughout human history. I mean, I think a lot of that's the case. The other thing is, you know, we are living in the time of the apocalypse. It is the unveiling, both literally and figuratively. I mean, 
literally as in the veil has not closed back up. I've been talking about this for almost a year now. And within just the world, I mean, every day we have some new disclosure of something and they're discovering more. I mean, science basically is just trying to prove what spirituality has always known. So I never discount science. I love the marriage of the two. I think, you know, there's science is just trying to catch up. Right. So when you look at the bigger picture of all of it, it's so fascinating and it's such a joyful and wonderful time to be alive. I agree. I agree. Because we're all getting ready to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, it's so joyful. Now, Shit is so apocalypse. great. It's <laughs> um, nothing joyful about this. We're all going to die. There is no death. There is only I just transformation started going to the and gym, rebirth. JJ, how long do we have? I just started going to the gym. Ryan, it's if I pay you fifty dollars, will you narrate my life for a day? <laughs> Maybe fifty bucks to narrate for one day, Ryan. That's a pretty good deal. Maybe do it for Can less I get than to that. say what I want to say. <laughs> He's cheap. He's doing. Yes. He do it for less than that. I love it. It's gonna <laughs> okay. happen one of these days. All right. Just don't. And a six pack of Miller High Life. Let's just, let's save that for the Floridian Airwaves convention. JJ, you won't have to say anything. Ryan will just talk for you the entire day. I love it. And I'll actually show my face. Yes. And I'll just walk around and we'll say what I think you want to say. I love it. We'll say, are y'all going to speak at the same time? Nope. Listen, she'll probably know. It's true. I will. You got to do it in a Morgan Freeman voice. Yeah. Sir, I can't stand that guy. You can't yeah. stand Morgan the Freeman? Voice that lives in my head. How can you not no. stand Morgan Freeman? He played God. Oh, wait. I thought he said Morgan Wallen. Jesus. <laughs> Christ. Have another gummy, Ryan. The actual opposite, oh, total God. opposite end of the spectrum. Exactly opposite. End. That's my he said Morgan Freeman. Right as soon as he said Morgan, it just said Wallen in my hand. I was like, oh my God. I have to admit this. No, I love Morgan Freeman. I'm glad we got that cleared up. Yeah, it's thank clear. God. Thank God. I Ryan's like on the Morgan same page. Wallen. All right, JJ, that was really good. I don't know how we got into Morgan Wallen and Morgan Freeman from that, but I'm 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 here for it. I'm here for it. I've so let's, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's jump over to our buddy Caleb, who's sitting beside the demon tree currently as we speak. Uh I've saw a couple of black hands reach out and try to snatch him by the hair of the head while we've been sitting demon here. I'm pretty sure. Tree. Demon tree. Is that true? No, that's not true, but it would be no. cool. Jesus. I would have freaked out if that was the case. <laughs> but Caleb, what have you been looking into, man, or what have you had going on? And I know I look, before we get into this, I know that me and you had kind of talked about a little experiment that we that we wanted to do tonight, but I had some things go on that scared me out of it. And I apologize <laughs> for that. But uh yeah, I'm just I'm just not ready for that right now. I'm just not ready for it. So yeah, I get it. And we'd be poking the bear. And I don't think really either of us want to do that. No, no. How are you not poking the bear? You have a demon tree. 
Every if you're gonna poke yeah. the bear, do it while I'm here at least, so I can contain <laughs> said bear. Bruno, JK. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we're talking about Bruno, Lance. We're talking about Bruno. Bruno. Don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no. You're right. We don't. So <laughs> moving on, to. Caleb. <laughs> so I actually started a new job and. I'm bouncing between three different locations at work and the one I worked at for 15 hours last night, I knew was haunted. So I'm trying to plan a Halloween ghost hunt there, but back at home, I've been messing around with infrasound, which is just subsonic frequencies. And the theory that I've found is that using those can unlock portals, make them easier to open. And well, sitting next to the demon tree that tends to help. Yeah. So I ran it for a little bit a few weeks back and there was a substantial increase in activity, way more shadow figures, way more myths, way more voices. Hmm. Well, that's super terrifying, Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you, what are you using, Caleb? What are you using to generate the, the subsonic frequencies? Just a subwoofer. Hmm. So just a subwoofer will do enough to to generate like an infrasound kind of effect. It's a pretty big subwoofer. It's hooked up to my TV for music and stuff. Yeah. Huh. What's what's the frequency you're using? I think I've I've done forty three hertz and then sixty one hertz, but sixty one hertz seems to be the more effective one. Huh. Well, if you really want to go in full bore, just do 66. <laughs> JJ, you stop it down there. I can't see I your face. Protect him. You, you stop it down there. <laughs> we're trying to make, we're trying to activate the demon tree. Why? Why? Why do you want to do that? Because we got you in our hip pocket to go to if we got a bunch of demons come running out. Caleb, are you prepared for what could potentially happen? He's talking I to you right say now. Prepared, but I'm expecting just, it to happen at some point for me to poke moves, the bear one too JJ. many times. He and... just moves. He moves <laughs> after he does this stuff. So you and... just set up a bunch of haunted locations. Do you plan on buying all of those properties afterwards? Because that's smart <laughs> business. <laughs> I wish I had that kind of money. Well, no, man. I mean, obviously, you know, and we've talked a lot about it, you know, definitely be careful in all the stuff that you're doing. I mean, for sure. Cause uh, you're sitting beside of a demon tree. I think it's automatically playing with a little bit of fire right off the bat. (laughs) Well, I mean, from, from my experience, um, you're, you're not quite down low enough for the, the, the true infrasonic frequencies. Okay. You need you need to be able to generate a tone that's just about 20, 20 hertz. So you're you're in the subsonic frequency range with the the forty and the sixty, but if you really want to get to infrasonic, um, you need to get down to right. I think the I think the cap on it is twenty two hertz, but you also got to be careful with your equipment. You don't want to. Da- because most home audio not designed to play 
if you do if you do decide to generate a 20 hertz sound don't don't go nuts with uh your volume because oh, you'll, yeah. you'll you'll tear up your sub so with some of the stuff that's been had you said more of all this stuff like what kind of what kind of things that have been going on just with the frequencies that you're operating at now, i know you said more shadow people more voices mm-hmm. but can i mean do we have any specifics on any of that They've turned more into people than just like weird shapes and mists. So it's becoming a lot more defined, especially like immediately after turning off the infrasound. And then it takes a few days to kind of go back down to its normal level of creepy. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's charging the whole environment. So are you still documenting like all this stuff, you know, the different? Because I know during our last powwow, you were documenting like all the. Uh, you had like the spirit box going in the background while everything was going on. I mean, are you doing that, you know, just in your own personal investigations or are you just doing it for like situations like we're having right now? I mean, I'm more just doing it because it was something I was curious about and wanted to see if it would actually get results. Now that I know it can get results, I'm going to be able to dedicate a little bit more time to it, break out all the equipment record everything and then go through after the fact and see if I caught anything. Yeah. Well, if y'all, I mean, if you didn't check out some of the stuff that he uh, captured during our last powwow over on the discord, definitely go check that out because it was some weird junk, man. There was some weird stuff that was going on behind the scenes while we were just having a good time. Like we are right now. I mean, a couple scary growls and, and weird phantom cats meowing in the background and <laughs> knocks and bangs and stuff moving around. I don't know. It got freaking weird. I know that. It did. Caleb, I'm wondering if you want to do an experiment where you have everything running and then you lie down and do a meditation. Because hmm, you're at the that's... portal, honey. It's it's not the demon tree. I just, oh, I just got chills all through my body when that, when you said that that's, definitely something i want to do okay i'll send you one are you on discord yeah perfect well i need you to find me never mind i don't know how to find anybody on there so (laughs) find me on discord it's 777 and um yes i'll send you a meditation i'd be quite interested and it will also make sure that it's a protected environment for you as well all right caleb just always remember she's a witch (laughs) but a good witch darling she'll turn you into a newt she will turn you into a newt. Ask Emily. No newt <laughs> turning. I'm just picking at you, JJ. You'll get better. You'll feel great. You won't worry about paying rent. <laughs> Please don't. She's holding a baby. Hey, Caleb, uh, during your experiments, have you ever uh, seen a pixelated shadow man by chance? wasn't really pixelated it's usually either just more of a blob of a shadow or a clearly defined person okay it's more of a one or the other not and my cat's being mouthy sorry about that <laughs> no you're all right man you're all right okay. yeah i mean i i appreciate i well i appreciate the intensity and veracity that you have in wanting to investigate and document this stuff. But honestly, no joke, be 
careful in what you're doing. Seriously, protect yourself because oh, yeah, uh, I got a St. Michael's medallion on me at all times after the experiment gone wrong that I'd rather not talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his, it's his Bruno, Lance. Everybody has a Bruno. Yeah. All right. I guess we'll move it on along then. Caleb, appreciate you. Justin's up there trying to strangle his baby out. I see. <laughs> Ryan, show him that chokehold. You got it. One <laughs> arm in front. The other arm has to push the back of the head forward. She me. It just takes a few seconds. Better <laughs> drill and whiskey usually that does a trick for me. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is if you don't want to drug your kids. Oh, That's that terrible. Was tiny, though. Didn't work, Ryan. He threw up on me. Oh, great. <laughs> You're holding him wrong. <laughs> I follow directions exactly. He, he should be facing away for this. <laughs> oh, she, she's got it. She's got it. <laughs> All right, job, we'll, we'll, we'll move it on along to Matt. To Matty O Daddy Matty over there. Daddy. What's what up? What do you say, fellas? What's up, brother? What's up, How man? are you? Oh, I'm well. How are y'all doing? Good, man. Good. We're having a blast over here. Getting ready <laughs> to to hear from you. First off, I want to hear uh how this Bigfoot conference went. I know you and I think Outlaw were, was there, right? Yeah, we were there. We hung out together. That sucks. Hey, well, yeah, we had a good old way. time. Outlaw comes all the way from Utah, and I can't even make it from a couple hours away. <laughs> Smoky Mountain? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good time, man. We got to see Tony Top, and uh, that was the highlight for me, at least. Outlaw may have different opinions, of course, but we had a good old time. We went down uh, to Old Smoky and uh, went through their spiel with their, with their uh, moonshine as one might call it. And then we went to a winery over there and that was almost more fun. Um, but it was a blast, man. There was a lot of interesting folks there. Uh, good old time, you know? Yeah. We're not worried about Tony. We want to know what the really <laughs> like important people had to say. <laughs> you know, honestly, it didn't seem like most of the other folks there had much, uh, much to say that intrigued me. There was one, one lady thumping around about science and uh, that was not super intriguing, to be honest. Tony really was, at least in my opinion, the highlight of the uh, of the thing they had going there. And then the only other dude I remember was Moneymaker. Yeah. And uh, he was just trying to sell me some drones. Tell me why the sheriffs are going to be operating these same drones they're using to hunt Bigfoot <laughs> that don't seem to work under tree cover. So that was like uh, Billy Mays there, I think is what Outlaw <laughs> referred to it as. It was a good time, though. Moneymaker here. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Yeah, that was it. That was precisely. I fell asleep. <laughs> well, no, man. That's how it seemed like it was a good time anyway. I appreciate you guys you know, posting, yeah. posting some pictures and, and going down there and checking it out for for all of us since some of us had to be at work. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's but, a hard knock on there, man. Yeah. So what you been looking into, man? What's been going on? You know, honestly, not any one particular thing too heavily. I've just kind of been all over the board here lately. Uh, 
I got into a little bit of Tartaria there for a minute and then got real heavily turned off of that one because, well, just reasons, you know, <laughs> I have, I'm a history major. And so when people start telling me Rome was a lie, I'm like, oh, well, later, you know, like, so yeah. that's, that's my bias. I guess you could call that one on that. Um, but I looked into that for a little minute and then, uh, I started looking into uh, some stuff with the black nobility and that got me sucked into looking into the Medici's. And then that got me sucked into comparing uh, medieval necromancy texts. Um, and that's about where it's been at for, for the last couple of weeks is really kind of looking into the medieval stuff there, the necromancy texts, because one was uh, two, two or three years ago found in the Medici library. Um, and then it's very, very likened to the uh, the Munich text, the CLM. I think it's eight four nine is what it's referred to as. There's a lot of very, very similar things there. Unfortunately, you know, typically you think necromancy. You're looking at like uh, stuff that's that's bound and written in blood. Most of these things are, in all reality, just kind of written on paper, and usually very heavily amended. They're pretty practical texts. Um, and that's that's kind of just the gist of what I've been looking at here lately. Well, yeah, dude, that sounds extremely interesting. I mean, anytime that uh that you're talking medieval necromancy texts, I mean, <laughs> that's uh yeah, you know, it's it's fun. Um, I learned a lot about anthropodermic bibliopegy, which I hadn't previously intended on Bless really you. studying too much. thank you say that one more time (laughs) anthropodermic bibliopegy okay now for anything now just for a moment (laughs) just for a moment pretend like i'm five i was gonna say i write scientific names for a living and i have no idea (laughs) so that's gonna be stuff that's made out of humans um which is not a lot not really. Uh, the biggest thing I could find that's of note is Saddam Hussein had a blood Quran written where over a period of, I believe, two years, he had some of his own blood drawn and then had an artist that I'm going to hope was commissioned to write a uh, 605 page, 6000 verse Quran in his own blood to prove his dedication, which put the uh, the the government in a bit of a quandary after he was out of power because specifically in Islamic law you're not supposed to create or destroy the Quran so he had created a Quran that technically they can't destroy so there's that huh that's uh that was Saddam yeah yeah Saddam Hussein yeah i had no idea i'd never heard that before um until i started looking into this stuff because you know you hear medici necromancy text and you're like oh shit dude these guys had this and it's you know i'm thinking i'm thinking you know ash versus the evil dead over here you know (laughs) (laughs) you know oh man does it have a face no man it's ex mortis ex mortis going (laughs) on out there Precisely right. Nah, in all reality, a lot of it's like so. And necromancy then was quite different from what we think of necromancy now. 
you know, necromancy then was more of an act of divination, using the dead to get an answer from the other side. Whereas now you think of it as, you know, rising souls, corpses, and things of that nature. And a lot of the text really was more about, like, love spells or, or you know, the kind of demonologies you're used to looking at. Or if you're into, into medieval texts, occult texts specifically, you start running into the kind of same lists of demons and higher demons and lower demons and things of that nature. But, of course, you get a lot of scrying information and, and weird the love spells and things like that. Um, and of course, a lot of these texts were very practical. So you have a lot of amendments to those. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the stuff seems to have been very well known, which makes sense because if there's some sort of taboo against a thing or, or law against the thing, usually it's because people were practicing it. So it would make sense, but it's more than what you would think. There's, uh, I've got some links to uh, PDF copies of the text. Um, unfortunately, unless you're good with like scholastic abbreviated Latin, it's going to be a little bit difficult. Um, that counts me. So, <laughs> but you can still look at the images. Like specifically, there's an image. Uh, like a, you could call it a sigil, I suppose, from visibility um, that differs somewhat but not really the the basic bare bones of the sigil are both there between the clm and the uh, medici text so both the munich and the the medici or italian text hmm. yeah i'm not even good with with abbreviated english let alone abbreviated <laughs> latin have you got a question yeah huh yeah man i get into the weeds with stuff man like the the easy stuff i'm like no man that's not cool i gotta get into the hard stuff and then i gotta like try to learn another language i got a i got a pdf of a latin textbook on my (laughs) on my laptop here right now where i've been trying to figure some of this stuff out just kind of you know obviously not for practical use myself i find that it's just uh, smart to know what you might be up against at some point. <laughs> I'm really happy that you said love spells were kind of in the same category as demons because, you know, never start a yeah. marriage off with the kidnapping. No, That's no. About love spells. <laughs> That's terrible advice. You know, how I started my marriage. And we've yeah, been great. I've been extremely too. happy for 15 years. Uh, 20 years. It <laughs> would not exist without that. Yeah. Twice if you're okay, Justin. <laughs> so, sounds like maybe I ought to clean out my trunk and get rid of the duct tape, rope, and the shovel. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Eric, that, you always want to keep those on hand. You never know how Friday's going to Yeah, go. you know. <laughs> those those are still left over from his naughty spell last weekend. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey. Did leave yeah, the that's how you like to play. That's how you like to play. That's the thing about Maddie Ozzy. He he always comes with it, man. Dag on right. Well, that's <laughs> what I love about these powwows, dude. Is because we have. All right, look, we're putting on this show, and we're a bunch of idiots. We're a bunch of morons. Whoa, you have all whoa. of you have you have all not these. You, not you. Not so, you, Eric. I'm talking about me and Ryan and Lance. You're smart. <laughs> Justin and Jet. Well, 
Justin's smart. Some of Jay's clones are smart. <laughs> yeah. Only the ones that work for the Smithsonian, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about me and Ryan and Lance. We're idiots. Damn we are clones. complete morons. And then we have, you know, our kin folk come on here, our siblings, our brothers and sisters. And, dude, they just drop bombs of knowledge. And we're just sitting here like, wait, what? Like, I'm taking notes sometimes. Like, I got to go look this up afterwards. I have no idea what we're even talking about. I'm totally lost. <laughs> yes, I'd well, love like to I said, discuss this with you, but <laughs> I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. I try to keep, like, a, big, a bibliography nearby, too. Like college college trained me well to be able to cite my sources. So I try to find I try to find reasonable sources as well. And I try to keep my biases out of things for the most part. But yeah, back with the with the love spell thing, like that's always weird stuff, right? And like uh mm-hmm. there was one I actually took notes on from uh the CLM eight four nine for the Codices Latini Monocensis. Um and it's it's a spell calling on Cupid and Satan to gain a woman's love. Mind you, there's no consent in these things ever. Um, along with having to literally bite the heart out of a dove. Um, and then on a parchment made from the skin of a dog in heat, you had to write the woman's name on the head and then various... Uh, demons and incantations on the limbs and then you had to still yet uh go through an entire prayer of which the most curious line was that the woman will yearn for the person through jesus christ which struck me as incredibly odd um and then there's a further if that doesn't work now, mind you, you still have to hang that dog skin outside where it'll catch wind, specifically where it'll be in like near constant breeze. But if that happens to not gain you a bow, you can further go through where said demons will kidnap her and bring her to you and then glamour themselves to look like them. Um, and then most of it after that was like Oz Nostra stuff where you're like casting spells or conjuring demons and or sometimes angels uh to gain some sort of academic intelligence um and then there was a lot of scrying there's about 19 other things in total but that one specifically was kind of um ridiculous and a lot of the times like i look at that sort of stuff as as kind of on the same level as curses you know because you do good you get good you do bad you get a lot of that you know and uh from my uh academic perspective looking back specifically at like greco roman and egyptian curses a lot of those things were carved into like lead tablets things that were going to be caustic to you as a person to do um just simply in the state of doing physically not to mention spiritually and i think the love spell thing falls into that same category specifically I, I just want to say this real quick, Matteo. Um, hey, Tinder is a lot. Yeah, you're for sure on that. Uh, man. It is way Imagine easier. my shock when I was like, we're talking to dead folks, you know, that's cool. And then the next thing is like, hey, these demons will kidnap somebody for you. And I was like, no, no, we're pushing lines here. 
the the talking to dead folks thing. I'm all right with the other stuff. I think it's just a little far out there. That's beyond my taboo limits, man. Swap Not quite there. Swipe right, <laughs> or send a horde of demons to go kidnap your crush. Let's weigh our yeah. options here. Let's weigh our These options. Faustian bargains, sir. These Faustian bargains. Well, one <laughs> thing about those Faustian bargains is they never turn out good for you. Never. Never. Nope. Never. Everything to, has a price. Uh, yeah. When you're trying to make deals <laughs> with the devil, yes. uh, the devil's been around a really long time, and he's way, way smarter than any of us sitting here. He's going to. Way better at it, too. He's not going to lose on a gamble. I don't know. I mean, there was that whole fiddler. I knew there. you were going to go there. I was just getting ready. To, I was just getting ready to say. I don't care what Charlie Daniels has to say about it. <laughs> no, don't you be bad mouthing Charlie Daniels. Hey, look, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I ain't going to go have a fiddle contest with Johnny down there if I'm judging <laughs> and lose. Don't tell me that the devil was the judge and he declared himself the loser. Come on, man. Yeah. Johnny Bidding, friends. What a wuss. I don't care how and good Charlie Daniels seen that, that with his own eyes, by yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> he sainted. He sainted. He sainted. He was there for it. Well, Coulter Wall says he wears a suit and tie. He saw him riding down the school in early July. So. Yeah. I, I believe that, too. <laughs> well, now, I've talked to a lot of old folks here in the hills and hollers close to home, and, uh, some of them have said that he shows up in a three-piece suit and uh, really, really fancy-looking, shined dress shoes. And mm-hmm. so. Emily, how's the baby doing? <laughs> He's being a little piggy right now. <laughs> well, it's okay. He's growing. He gets it from his dad. <laughs> he eat it three times as much as I do. That's questionable. <laughs> there is something I want to throw in really quick, Maddie, with what you were talking about. And also, Justin, in in some of the um, hoodoo in your area specifically, or you call them granny witches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with spell work, witchcraft, whatever you want to call it, the more it takes away someone else's own will, Right. So the more that it's magic against someone, the more complicated the spell is. And it's designed that way on purpose so that you have time to think about, good Lord, there's got to be an easier way to resolve this with this person. So they deliberately make it so intricate, so laborious, and in some cases, almost untenable so that there's no way you can actually even get the ingredients that are needed in order to force you to think about a more civilized way to deal with the issue. But if you really do go through with it, you know, things will pull through. But like I said, with love spells in specific, I always say never start a marriage with a kidnapping. Yeah, that's actually really good advice, JJ. I was just kidding earlier. I want to go on the record and say that is great advice. Don't start a marriage with a kidnapping. That's terrible. I didn't kidnap my wife either. (laughs) We just got married the normal way. But no, that another 
I got a two and three quarter hour drive. I got to make tomorrow to let her out. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, you do, Eric. I'm sorry. You can back on it now. It wasn't that big of a closet. <laughs> oh my God. God damn it. You know, most folks around here go for kennels. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or those those sailors, you, you know, you keep a lot. Yeah, on the outside. yeah. If you got a good root cellar, man. Yeah, you're good. Those things go are priceless. Well, no, JJ, that makes a lot of sense, though. It really does. Like if 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 you have somebody that's doing some form of working against someone in now, it is well, I guess that would mainly just be like in a negative fashion, right? Like in a negative light. Well, anything that takes away someone else's free will right, or right, will right, yeah. in general is more on the dark spectrum of magic, right? Yeah. The opposite of what I do. Anything that harms someone else or takes away their will, I don't touch. But, you know, I do know people who do, and that's their decision. But when I talk to them a little deeper, specifically on love spells, because I've gone down this counseling road with a lot of baby witches in my life. When you think about it, let's say you do the spell. And let's say it works, right? All of a sudden, the person's attracted to you. You guys get together. The whole time you're together, in the back of your mind, you're always going to be wondering, do they really love me for me? Or do they only love me because I did this spell? And that's going to cause unsatisfaction within your own heart, right? You're going to think, you're never totally going to be happy. And I don't mean just because I'm a woman and I'll make that reference. <laughs> I don't we aren't always happy. <laughs> I think Eric I totally think, disagrees. I don't think that's right. <laughs> Eric's like, I wouldn't have a second thought about it. I would have exactly what I wanted. Not, uh, just cop it out here you know. tonight. Just, now you're just making me feel bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, we ain't king shaming nobody. No. <laughs> we ain't here for that. You like yes, to poke me. holes in the box, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> now, JJ, I do have something to add to that too, because I like to i I do the stuff with the herbs there a little bit and do some satchels and things of that nature. Yeah. And there's certain herbs that I won't fool with because you know there's a there's a tendency for lust there. And when you start playing with those sort of energies, man, that can go in a completely opposite direction from where you might want it to go there's certain things whether it be in spell work i find or herb work incantations galder stoffer whatever you're into there's there's taboos on things for a reason and like you said a lot of times they make it hard on to get any of the stuff required for it or Mm -hmm. you know to even understand some of the symbols or incantations required to do it, even with like, you know, your more scientific spirituality stuff like the alchemy of the medieval era, things of that nature. It's almost incomprehensible if you weren't there at the time to understand the context. There are a lot of really wonderful renditions. And, you know, there are a lot of secret societies that talk about these processes. And, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people get on them. Oh, they're secret societies. They're evil. They're not. You have to remember there was a time when doing shadow work within yourself, within doing any of this work within yourself was not condoned by the church. So they had to go underground with these beliefs of alchemy, which is purifying one's soul 
and the whole purification process in order to have kind of your spiritual awakening, spiritual enlightening, whatever you want to call it. So, and, and it was also preparatory and they had to put it in science terms, like physical terms, right? Like, oh, the philosopher's stone, when in reality, that was just code for, you know, the soul. So right. there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. You know, if you ever have any questions in that realm, just message me. I love being a resource. At least I can kind of show you in the right direction. Um, you were saying you like to go back to the old text. I recommend to everyone, if you know at least English, Spanish, French, and Italian, or the basis of those, go back. <laughs> well, they're Romance languages, right? So they're all pretty yeah, tight. I barely know English. Well, hold on now. <laughs> hold on now. English yeah. is not a Romance language. English no, is a English Germanic is not, language right. that English is very is heavily influenced because of the French. Uh-huh. And the German. Uh-huh. Well, it is a it is a Germanic uh-huh. language. Right. And there's a lot of carryover from the Norse as well. But, but the whole reason I brought that up is if you are able to go back and read a Bible from the 1500s, it's in Old yes. English, which Old yes. English is actually a conglomeration of all those languages. And when you right. read the text in its more pure form versus how it's written today, some of the words do change the meaning a little bit. So for some of you out there that are looking into the Bible for some of these deeper questions, I would recommend doing that. I've done it many times. It First of all, it's a beautiful script to look at, but you know, you could just put it in the translator and it will pop out and some of the words do change. Yeah, I most can't definitely. Even, I can't even read the KJV. I got to do one of these newer versions, like the ESV or the NIV, just so I can understand it. Because my, I can't do all the this thou wilts hasts. I, I can't. I can't. Now, but here's what I do do. I, I, I personally do, do. have always been down the road peeping. Here's <laughs> what I. Here is what I do also. There are some really, really, really great resources online that you can take like a certain piece of scripture and you can just plug it in there and it will give you like the Hebrew, the Greek, and it'll give you an exact translation. Not like, you know, the the Council of Nicaea sitting down doing it. It'll give you an exact translation of what that is in Hebrew, what that is in the Greek, what that is in the Latin. So you can kind of just do those those translations that way. That's how I have to do it. And when yeah, I really you're talking about go, Strong's, yeah, yep, 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 yep. That's it. Strong's concordance. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Those things are excellent references for for anything you know Hebrew through Judo Christian resources. Yeah. I've used those before myself. And also having a metaphysical or biblical dictionary for certain words that don't necessarily make sense. I have one, and it's all the way you know. It's from the 1800s. So it's nice to be able to look at some of those words and see what the older meanings were instead of what we think they mean today. Cause Justin, yeah, because Justin, I've read some of the newer difference. ones. Yeah. I've read some of the newer biblical translations and they are off. I actually have oh, a yeah. friend, her birthday, her birthday is tomorrow. So happy birthday to you up in heaven, my dear. But she wanted to read the Bible in its original form. So she went and learned Aramaic. That's awesome. And read the Bible in its original form. And she came back and she said, yeah, there's a lot of mistranslations. 
Oh yeah, there definitely is. They're they're absolutely different, and and that's a lot of the issues and the problems we have with the modern day church is because mm-hmm. it's it's translated yeah. in a way, and it's not. Now I'm going to say for the most part, it's pretty close for the most part. But now a lot of the, especially when you dive into the supernatural sides and aspects of the Bible and what it shows and if what it's intending for an audience of people in the second temple Judaism, you know, period, you know, those first readers. It's when you look at it farther into that supernatural side and aspect of it, it's off. I mean, it's off a lot. When you go back and look at the original Hebrew, you know, there's a place in Isaiah, for example, when it's just talking about like, you know, the screech owl and goats and satyrs and all this different stuff. But when you go back to the Hebrew, it's not just talking about these animals. It's talking about demonic entities, you know, and it's saying throughout this one place in Isaiah that God is making a way through and all of these entities are right on his heels, you know, that they're, that he's, He's the most high and he's out in front, but these demonic, but when you look at it in the newer translations, it's the screech owl and the satyr and the, and the goat when, you know, and, and most of, you know, just your, your average layman, your average layperson, they're going to read that and they're going to think, oh, okay, well, we're talking about a petting zoo. You know, we're talking about farm animals. There's, there's nothing wrong with this. When you really dive deep into it, you realize, holy crap, this is a, this is a spiritual war going on all the time. You know, this yeah. is, this is constant God, <laughs> Yahweh, the most high is constantly, you know, having to put his foot on the throat of all of these little G gods. I mean, it's constant. What, what about in Job where they talk about Leviathan and behemoth? Yep. I've had translations that said, oh, they're clearly talking about a crocodile and a hippopotamus. Yep. No. Yeah, I've I've never seen a crocodile or a hippopotamus described the way that the Leviathan and the behemoth is described in Job. Never. I mean, when you actually read in the description, it sounds like they're talking about like a uh, um, sauropod and a dragon. That's yep. what it sounds yep. like. Yeah, but then there's also you can look at it in a way of well, these they're talking about some form of spiritual being, some form of. So I mean, again, you know, if if you read this in a way, and here here's the thing, like with me and the Word of God, me and the Bible, okay, God, this is all breathed out by the Holy Spirit. People are always people; they always have been people; they're always going to be people. Right. So the same general message is going to be the same. I mean, in my personal opinion, at the end of the day, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and you put your faith, hope and trust in that, that's what matters. The rest of it, though, when you want to dive deeper and get more into it. When this was delivered to those people in the Second Temple Judaism period. Well, there's a whole lot of, of slang and a whole lot of references and a whole lot of this stuff made that would have made perfect sense to them right off the bat. That with us, you know, it take we're, we're struggling with it. We don't really know what it means because, you know. Context. Yeah, it's all in context. We didn't live then. So it's I think that it's really, really important when we're looking at the Bible, we're looking at Scripture, when we're studying Scripture, to kind of put ourselves there. To see, okay, what area are we talking about? 
who were the people and the tribes and the, and the surrounding, um, you know, people, territories, where this was going on. What gods did yep. they worship? What religion did yep. they practice? What was the culture like there? And whenever you start doing that, then you can take these these threads and you can start saying, oh, okay, all right, this makes sense. This makes sense that when he's talking about the screech owl and the satyr, that he's not just talking about an animal. He's talking about what we talk a lot about. On here. He's talking about Pan and Lilith. I mean, that was the entities that were, were being described then. And no, they weren't. Well, Lilith was probably Lilith. Pan was uh, probably what, Azazel at that time. Yeah. So, the scapegoat. Yeah, the scapegoat. So when you're looking at these entities, you know, I think they're the same entities all throughout history, just with different names, same faces. But when you start seeing, okay, well, that's what these surrounding peoples, that's who they were worshiping. That's who they were sacrificing to. That's who they were having these gigantic orgies, you know, in these festivals to to pay homage to it starts making sense it starts you, you start looking and say oh well these aren't just animals but anyway sorry we gotta we gotta dive bible every time we do one of these we have to dive bible at some point maddie um look i'm just gonna throw this out there you are an extremely extremely intelligent human being and most of the things that come out of your mouth, I don't understand a bit. And handsome. <laughs> Super oh, handsome. Y'all are all gentlemen and scholars and all, all the good stuff, man. I'm, I'm baseline intelligence at best. I appreciate the compliments. Speaking of, he's got that septum piercing right there. He's like a bull of Bashan yeah. right now. Hey, man, something's got to keep me from rutting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. keep right. me from digging for truffles you know Good what I'm saying no. Good <laughs> all right let's kick it to our uh, special guest of the night I would say that we're saving the best for last but I mean we may just be saving uh, <laughs> the most handsome for last maybe we can go with that Eric what have you been diving into recently? Did you see him blush? <laughs> I'm looking on the screen. And it's like, we've already gone through everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I'm talking, hand, Eric, you are a handsome dude, man. I can't Damn, help dude. it. I keep that voice along with that beard and the hair. That's always just, it, it's super, it's just on point. Every time I see you. like me, I've always got this whoopty wave going. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, he's got I don't know what he's got over there, but it's a that, lot that, of it. There's something that's unnatural. That is unnatural. That's but no, jealous, just man. just anything that you guys want to share or uh some stuff that maybe you got going on or in the future or what you've been digging into. I mean before you know, we, I guess I've been I've been uh you know with Bigfoot and Bruce coming up here in September. Um I always kind of tend to start pulling more on the, on the Bigfoot uh, stories, just as kind of a tie into it, you know, get people um, excited for, for the event. Um, so I, I, some of my episodes here more recently have, have uh, gone down in, 
into the the Bigfoot realm. Um, I just did another episode with uh, Scott Tompkins, who's the guy who developed the Bigfoot Mapping Project app. And uh, I ended up releasing that video. I ended up releasing the audio, and then I did uh, release the video of it on YouTube because that second half of that interview was really heavy um, visually as far as using his app. And um, it was, it was a nice little showcase because he was able to show a lot of different things on that app that most people probably, you know, it's a buck 99. It's a great app. Um, It's a great little pocket caddy. If you, you know, you hear about a Bigfoot, encounter or something, you know, historically you can look it up on there and, you know, it's going to be in there. Um, but it, it was really, it was really astounding because he, he went to school as a degree in using GIS, which is, uh, I don't know the exact, um, name of it, but it, it basically is a, a data set that he uses to create these maps. And, I asked him to concentrate on Michigan because uh, a large number, a large number of my listeners are from Michigan and they're predominantly Bigfoot enthusiasts. Um, but what I did not expect is when he brought that app and started sharing the screen with it, um, I gave him some very specific areas that had had encounters previously. And basically what his data set creates are these lines of continuity that show where the most heavily traveled areas of um, animals are game game animals you know um, and I'll be damned if each each one each one of the instances that I brought up with them when he overlaid the map to show these I think it was called least cause pathways they all, every one of the Bigfoot sightings and accounts that had been registered as uh, reported, they fell right in line with those lines that were going around these areas. It was, it was really, you know, and, and like I said, I didn't give him any forewarning. I just said, I want to cover Michigan. Um, and then I started hitting them with a, a, a couple of different well-known sightings and I'll be damned if they didn't fall right in line with where this, these data sets were were it was i mean it was proving that it was the most reasonable area for something of that size that would end up having to have some protein uh at some point as a part of its diet i mean it it really it was kind of shocking to see it played out in that way because that was a scientific a scientific data set that he applies to putting into these maps and then to have it coincide with reported sightings was was pretty pretty amazing. So, um, past couple of days I've been messing around with that that app quite a bit and looking at some of the the other features that it had that I wasn't aware of until he brought them up. So, um, you know, if Bigfoot's your thing, I would highly recommend for a dollar ninety nine. There's no ads or anything. There's nothing else you have to pay for. It's just it's it's a really cool app. Um, and you know, you're ever in an area and you're camping and you wonder if there was ever a, a Bigfoot sighting in that area. I mean, you could literally pull it up and it's, it's going to tell you, um, 
you know, if it's been reported, it'll be there. So, but other than that, um, the only, only thing that experience wise, uh, that's happened to me recently, um, about a month and a half ago, might be two months now. Um, I got invited to a, um, a What happened to Eric? Eric froze. He gets ready to go into his experience. And mm-hmm. the tech gremlins come out. They're to support him. And then, okay, Eric, uh, you need to start over. Okay, then, go back about froze the 20 seconds. Your experience. Start there. Did he freeze again? He froze again. Oh, what? okay. Um, sorry. Oh. Am I good now? Oh, he yes. just Mitch. I think he just Mitch McConnell that time. <laughs> throw stones. It's really bad for us. Is he bad for anybody else? Like, yeah, he keeps freezing up. Yeah, he's freezing on my end too. Eric, maybe this is your Bruno. What? What about? No. Nope. Now you okay? You're really glitchy, bro. What the hell? You're really glitchy. I'm starting to think you may be a lizard. <laughs> Eric, I'm coming in. Prepare to sweat. Coming in hot. Blowing out snot. What about now? I think you Am may I back? be okay. You're back. What? The- well, you are. <laughs> JJ, speed it up. Yes, no. Working on it. <laughs> I think we're still in the maybe so area of that. I don't know. Kale's got his head in the demon tree. Oh, he's back. No, my I cat was, was being annoying. He was oh. trying to eat the demon tree. Uh, well, no wonder uh, there's freaking demons in there. You know how cats are? They, they cats. Yeah, cats. Cats are good for scaring off faints now. That's the only cats. reason I keep the one we got. The cats eat demons for breakfast, son. Bad for native species, good for demons. What about now? Am I good? anybody got me yeah we we do it's bad we don't yeah like right now you speak and then it's laggy and then you freeze and i don't even know if you can hear me right now because you're mitch mcconnell and again oh nope there you are is, I is see lincoln. Lincoln. you got did someone say abe lincoln i heard abe lincoln too <laughs> <laughs> what is going on <laughs> Boscorn seven years ago. <laughs> All right. See you. Do I get a chance, Justin? No. Sure, Justin. Absolutely, <laughs> Justin. Now's your chance. I really, I really, when I said we're saving the most handsome for last, you see that who's going last. It's the hair. It's the hair. It's definitely the hair. You guys will never know if I ever go bald. I'm going to cover it up so hard, like so hardcore. <laughs> you did like what they did in Practical Jokers with Q's hair. Oh, yeah. No, I'll start stealing hair. They'll start seeing other colors <laughs> pop up, all kinds of stuff. It's sick. No, nah, dude, just tattoo it. That's what I did with mine. I just started tattooing it, dude. See, my hair, this is like the shortest I keep it. So it's really hard to get a good 3D tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Touche. Two may not work. This is eight inches of hair, and this is about as short as I keep it. 
So it'd be very difficult to keep it. Now, uh, when does this come out, Justin? You don't mind me asking. Oh, this will drop Monday, bro. We turn and burn here. You know that. All right. Uh, I'll ruin time travel. I'll ruin uh, episode seven of season four, Crips of the Corn. Now, we started to do a lot of work into Megalodon. Nice. So, for you guys who may not be familiar with us, uh, specifically me, I was a fisheries biologist, specifically. Uh, I did freshwater species. I did eDNA surveys. Uh, I, I specialize, though, in fish and salamanders. Uh, this Megalodon stuff. So there's a bunch of videos going around on like Instagram, TikTok with Megalodon, like everybody's. So a couple of real famous ones is recently there was a cruise ship that was going by and seen this monstrous shark. Yeah. And if I remember, I'll give you links, Justin. This monstrous shark surfing the waves, like at right next to this cruise ship. And it's kind of like not caring the cruise ships there or whatever. And all these guys are filming it and whatever. And it ended up being, they don't tell you in any of the videos, not one of the videos, but it ends up being a basking shark, which for a lot of people that may not be familiar, everybody kind of, I'm sure everybody here knows what a whale shark is, right? Yeah. So everybody at home, a whale shark, they get up to 60 feet long. They're purple or black and they have white polka dots. So they're a very, very specific looking shark. They're the largest fish species alive today. The next guy in a row is called the basking shark, and they get like 58 feet long. And they're not as wide as a whale shark, though. So that's kind of where they lose a lot of weightage. You know, when you look at a whale shark, they have a big, broad head, like a catfish. They look really, really catfish-like in shape. Whale sharks are more, or not, sorry, basking sharks are more traditionally shark-shaped, you know, the big head and whatever. Still harmless. You in the water with them, they're not going to hurt you. Their esophagus is like the size of a golf ball. So, you know, you're not going to, you know, they don't, they don't have any teeth. So this cruise ship was next to maybe bigger than the world record basking shark. And they're filming it, saying some megalodon and all this stuff. And it just happens to be probably a 60 or 62 foot long basking shark. Completely harmless. All these people are freaking out. Literally, people are like screaming Hello. at the deck of this ship. Hello. Hey, Eric. Go on, Justin. Go on. Okay, so that's kind of the first one where it's not a megalodon. I think in modern culture, megalodon means big shark. It's kind of what people kind of think of when you hear the word megalodon. It's big shark. It's an actual species group of animals. There's another one, though, in Japan that was uh, recorded in 1999. Had a feeding platform at like a depth of like six, 7,000 feet. Really, really de- deep down. This feeding platform was like six foot by six foot. And uh, this gigantic shark, and I mean truly gigantic animal, comes in and there's like a tuna tied in the middle of it, like a five foot long tuna. And just fully sucks in the tuna and starts carrying off the platform. And it's just monstrous animal. It turns out it's actually a seven gill or a Greenland shark, uh, which if anybody doesn't know, they're the oldest living vertebrate on the planet. Uh, we have one on record at 706 years old. And this is an animal with a spine. And we know that. So fish are really cool because they have what's called an otolith. It's an ear bone. It's like a tree. Uh, but, but when I say that, I mean it has rings. So when you cut it in half, you can count how old the shark is pretty easily. Or any fish. Any fish. All fish have them. 
So this looks like it's a Greenland shark. So our, our world record Greenland shark is like 25 feet and like five, 6,000 pounds, a, a lot bigger than our biggest great white shark living today. This guy looks like he comes in. He's probably 40 or 45 feet long and is eating this whole six foot tuna like it's nothing. And then he bumps the sub and he bumps the camera and he's like doing all this stuff, trying to eat this stuff. And it's not, it ends up not being a megalodon. Uh, it's probably though the biggest shark species alive or one of the bigger predatory sharks we alive today. So Greenland sharks actually actively eat polar bears, moose, and caribou. So for all of your listeners, they might understand that polar bears are the largest living land predator on earth, uh, which is crazy. So there was one Nat Geo photographer that's seen a polar bear uh, hopping ice flows. And this polar bear's hopping, looking for food, hopping, looking for food, you know, going in and out of the water. They're very aquatic bears. Uh, he jumps into one ice flow and immediately pops out. Something grabs him and yanks him down. So we're talking like a 3,000-pound bear. You know, a bear the size of your mom's car. He gets out on the ice, you know, to the front path, and then something yanks him back into the water. And the Nat Geo guy was 100% convinced for a long time that it was an orca, but he never seen anything breach. Orcas have to breathe pretty regularly. You know, orcas are big, 35 feet long, 40 feet long, you know, 16,000 pounds. You know, polar bears, 3,000 pounds. It wouldn't be hard for an orca to kill a polar bear, but nothing ever came back up. So later on, we did gut surveys of uh, there's these little crustacean parasites called lipids. In Antarctic and Arctic waters, which pretty much get on carcasses the second they die. So for something to get on, pretty much if like we think Greenland sharks were before we thought Greenland sharks were scavengers. So they would have if they were eating these dead polar bears, they'd have lipids on them as they were eating them. We started getting a lot of these Greenland sharks in their stomach contents didn't have any lipids. So they were eating this stuff like they were eating moose, they were eating elk, they were eating you know, seals and stuff. So we think they're more like crocodiles to where these gigantic, and I mean gigantic animals, are sitting right at the edge of these high traffic water areas. And you imagine just seeing a shark eat a moose. And that we only knew this because the Inuits and stuff like that actually harvest these guys. You know, they, uh, then uh, Greenland, Iceland, they actually eat these guys. They cut open their guts and they find whole moose or whole elk or whole polar bear in them. So, well, I guess I'll, I'll give it all away. I'm sorry for all the cross <laughs> listeners over here. He's a bad spoiler. I'm a really bad spoiler. It's okay. It's all right. uh, I do not think Malodon is still around at all. I really don't. I think there are gigantic sharks still left on the planet. Megalodon, though, specifically ate what's called cetaceans, which is whales. Uh, the reason Megalodon went extinct is something called Leviacus, which was a type of sperm whale. It evolved to eat other whales. So, uh, and then what evolved after that was called orcas or killer whales, which eat modern day whales. So they are so low on the secession line that they went extinct much earlier. So when the, uh, during the last ice age, when the ocean currents fell, whale populations got decimated from these ocean currents, not forming these big food networks anymore. So Megalodon was already three chains down from being apex predator of the whales that when this cataclysm for these guys happened, they went out the door. 
I I made believe so we did episodes on like high fin sperm whales or what they're called. They're seen. They're still so sperm whales have a dorsal fin that is just tiny, tiny. You know, big, big animals, tiny, tiny dorsal fin. It's right at the back of their body by their tail fin. Uh, so they're kind of evolving it away. Every once in a while, though, especially in the olden days when whaling was much more popular, there would be the talks of these giant aggressive sperm whales that had a gigantic dorsal fin like an orca. So a lot of biologists believe that was it may still be Leviacus, this giant ancient sperm whale that eats whales is still living. And that's what we're seeing. So, yeah, so that's what I'm into, Justin. I'm sorry. I, I took too long. No, that was great, man. That was great. I always love your uh, your biological diatribes. I always feel like I'm front row in some kind of biology class in my local community college, at least. <laughs> Hopefully a good one. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you a hard time, man. I really, really do. <laughs> really do appreciate all that you have. And that's what I was talking to my son about earlier. He is a huge, huge, huge like biology nerd he just is like he he's a lot like you i mean we could be talking about certain things and he'll just start spitting out facts you know about this animal that animal actually the first time that we had you on our show mm-hmm. um i think it, i think i called it mushrooms manta rays and, uh, and living ufos or something like that you know sounds right he was like, I started talking about some of that and he was finishing my sentences, you know, like, I mean, that's just how he is. And I told him, I was like, dude, one of these days, the next time we kind of hook up with Justin and Jay and get into one of their big presentations, we have, you have to jump on here. You have to get involved because you can have the conversation. Like I'm just taking it all in, but like, I appreciate it because listening he can come on you. our show whenever he wants. Oh, dude, he would love that. He would love that. That's that's the uh, we we talked about it. You know, we've talked about it before that I when I worked in a biology lab, and I was known as the Bigfoot guy. I was made fun of a lot, but there was other things that happened where other biologists kind of believed in Bigfoot, but they would never admit it. Yeah. So this that's hard thing with science is like uh, there's there's some theoretical physics that prove the existence of like interdimensional beings and all this stuff, but they'll never come over to the paranormal side of it. There's dog, you know, these guys could plug in dogman to their equations so easily. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, when we start messing with this stuff, that's why we start getting these dogmen more rarely or whatever, you know, it's just all that kind of stuff. So I work, I, I walked that line for a long time of working in the lab with some of the biggest names in art biology in the U S and me openly talking about Bigfoot. Uh, we're speakers at Winsby's event, the Hocking Hills Bigfoot Conference. September 24th weekend. September 24th weekend. Hocking Hills Bigfoot, Ohio, everybody listening. Uh, please go. It's a charity event. Uh, so it's fully charity event. It's for uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, last Big Brothers Big Sister camp in the U.S. period. And so we're one of their speakers, but I, well, that got brought up is that I was talking to a guy in the lab. I wasn't even talking to him. I was talking to the techs under me in the, in the garage. And I was talking about Bigfoot, all this kind of stuff. I know, you know, the story, Justin, but I'll share, I'll share it with your listeners again, just in case. Uh, and this guy, he's called a calorie So there's two types of calorie in the world. 
There's one that is uh, like, let's say you're sick and you go to the hospital. There's a guy that decides or a guy or a gal that decides, you know, how many calories you can eat or whatever, that kind of stuff. The other calorician is what I worked with, which goes into an environment and decides how many available calories for each level of animal or plant there are available, animal, plant, fungus that are available. So what they would do is they'd go in first and they would decide like, okay, there should be this many, this type of level, this, you know, the, and all the way up to apex. So when we'd go in and do a survey and we didn't find those animals, they'd be like, okay, well, the food's available. So there's a different problem present, if that makes sense. So anyways, we were talking about Bigfoot and this guy, this calorician comes in and he's like, oh, Bigfoot's not really, this is all bull crap, whatever, you know, just walks away. Or like, oh, you know, okay, whatever. Like two or three weeks later, he comes back to me and he gives me these papers. And he's like, here you go. And I'm like, what's this? And he's like, well, if Bigfoot's twice the size of a black bear and has a similar diet, here's how many of them could exist in the U.S. right now. Extra. Not, not discounting black bears. Not replacing black bears. Here's how many that could exist extra if they're highly migratory. And it was between on the low end, it was like fifteen thousand that you know twelve to fifteen thousand. On the high end, it was forty five to fifty thousand animals. And this is that they are on average twice the size of an adult black bear, which would be eight hundred to a thousand pounds. And they're eating a similar diet. So a black bear diet is you know sixty percent sixty percent plant matter. Black bears are not hyper carnivores like we talked about with other mammals. You know these guys eat a lot of vegetation matter. And then of that 40% that's left, most of that is game that is smaller than their paw. So we're talking frogs, newts, salamanders, that kind of stuff. You know, because it's easier for a black bear, it's called cost effectiveness. Uh, that It's easier for a black bear to catch 40 frogs to meet that calorie demand versus catching a deer. You know, you got to run and, you know, when a, back, when a black bear can walk down a little creek and catch a whole bunch of frogs today. Or he can try to chase and catch a deer or a deer fawn and have to worry about fighting the mom, fighting the dad, you know, dealing with the herd or whatever. It's easier for that black bear to pick the smaller animal. So most of the black bear's diet that is protein, hyperprotein, is tiny, tiny animals. And we think the same thing. I think the same thing with Bigfoot. He led me to that kind of conclusion. So that just shows that there are these notes in biology that these people do believe. They fully do believe in Bigfoot. They do believe in these supernatural creatures or these paranormal or however you want to word them creatures. It's just they're not allowed to. You know, if he would have come out and say he was talking, if he would, if he would have ever said he believed in Bigfoot, he would have lost his job probably the next year. Once the surveys were over, you know, we're talking. I can't name names, but we're talking about these guys. The company I worked for made not only all of the paperwork that's used in the U.S. for uh, fisheries and macroinvertebrates and aquatics and stuff like that, they were actually paid to go to New Zealand and Australia to make paperwork for them of how to score these systems. So now if those guys turn around and say they believe in Bigfoot after all that. Not only does that hurt them, not only does that hurt the company, but you're talking about paperwork, the scoring system that is used and three different major countries is called into question. So that's that whole domino kind of effect, you know. And I was just a guy that went out and collected fish. And I was like, I don't care. I believe in Bigfoot. Yeah, I've seen one. <laughs> There's yeah. my soapbox yeah. tonight. 
Well, no, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. I mean, it is really interesting. It's really, really interesting things when you when you have kind of that peek behind the curtain of what what the leading experts, you know, really believe deep down in their core. You know, maybe they can't put it out publicly, but they know. I mean, they know and, and have heard the same accounts that we all have. They just they kind of have to choose to be on the skeptical end of it just because of their reputation. I mean, you know, we see it all the time, but no, we really appreciate that, Justin. And, uh, that's super weird. Eric was getting ready to share his experience. His internet's completely out, gone, done. As soon as he got ready to share it. But I mean, you guys are familiar with all that we do. And every time we start talking about Bruno, the same thing happens to us. So, you know, it is what it is. But I think it's about time to wrap it up. We've made it all the way around the table. Um, I think we're a couple hours in. This has been another extremely fun, informative powwow. Again, I'll say it every single time. We are super, super, super grateful for you, Ken folk, for all of y'all that choose to, to support us financially. That's an awesome, awesome thing because, I mean, what what you're doing is you're helping. Well, I mean, you are a part of the show. It's not even that you're just helping us be. I mean, you're you're the show. Appalachian Intelligence is a, a whole lot of working bodies, and we couldn't do it without we couldn't do it without your support sharing the show, and we definitely couldn't do it without your financial support. So, everybody that does help out in that way everybody that's here tonight and those that aren't here tonight we really really appreciate y'all so much i mean we couldn't do what we do without it i mean we would still get on here and talk about all the weird stuff but we wouldn't be able to go to to conventions and we wouldn't be able to go out and investigate the stuff close to us when it pops up and you know, I wouldn't be able to talk my wife into half of the stuff I could unless I could say, hey, I'm using show money. It's all right. Everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> so for all that, we're really, really appreciative. Justin, thank you and Emily for jumping on here and hanging out with us tonight. That's super, that's super awesome. And, uh, you know, that's what we're always talking about with building the tribe. I mean, it's not just it's not just listeners. I mean, it is. That's a huge part, the biggest part. But it's you other creators. It's you other podcasters. It's it's kind of this this group that we've found ourselves in. And, uh, you know, Eric and Bo, they had to jump out, but we appreciate them. We appreciate you fellas for jumping on here, hanging out with us. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. It's really awesome to for everybody. And I hope that was a special treat for you uh, brothers and sisters when you jumped on here and seen these other awesome podcasters that decided to come on and spend a little time with y'all too. Um, I just shot him a message, like I said earlier, I just shot him a message earlier today. I was like, hey, we're going to do another powwow tonight. You know, if y'all ain't got nothing going on, jump in. And, I mean, they're like, I am. They just want to jump in and talk weird stuff. I mean, they want to hang out and have fun. So, we appreciate them. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll close it out like we normally do. Uh, you guys know where to find us, all of our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, YouTube. All that stuff is listed in the show notes. You can find us there. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash Appalachian underscore intelligence. You can be a part of, you can be a part of this next powwow if you go join that sibling tier. 
um, send us, or you can click the support the show link and, and just make a, a small donation for our terrible habits. Mainly it's what it goes to. So I'm just going to let you know up front, uh, send us your stories, comments, concerns, research, you're diving into experiences, whatever you got, you can send that at Appalachian intelligence at gmail.com. Uh, most importantly, the biggest way that you can support us is share the show. Share the show however you are most comfortable sharing it. That is the only way the show grows. It's not going to grow from me putting and self-promoting. My circle is only so big. The people on here, the folks on here, their circle is only so big. Listeners, dial up, send a text, mass text everybody on your contact list right now and say, hey, go check out these idiots at Appalachian Intelligence. They're dumb, but sometimes they're funny. And you may hate them because of their every now and then pronoun jokes. But regardless of that, <laughs> go check them out anyway. Share the show. Go check it. And we've had a lot of the crew here tonight. Let's see. The only ones we were missing were Kill the Mockingbirds and Hollow Sky, right? Everybody else was here. So, get your tickets for the Fortean Airwaves Ultimate Podcast Conference. I shortened it down a little bit. It's a super group. I mean, I'm just going to lay it out there flat out. It's a super group of podcasters that are all coming together in Ada, Ohio, October the 6th, 7th, and the 8th. We're going to have meet and greets. We're going to have podcast panels. We're going to have live shows. We're going to have a bunch of stuff going on. All of this different stuff come out. It's 50 bucks for the entire weekend. Uh, you can stay. There's housing there. If you get on, get your tickets. We've got some places marked off with some extreme discounts. Or if you don't want to stay, if that's looking a little too expensive for you to come and stay all weekend, you're still looking at a full Saturday that you could come out. It's still going to be 50 bucks, but it's a full day of getting to hang out with all the podcasts, all the podcasters, the community. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So be sure to get your tickets for that. Again, that's us, Crips of the Corn, Uncomfortable, Hollow Sky, Kill the Mockingbirds, and the Bump Podcast all together in one place, having a blast, just like we did here tonight. This is what you're going to get for a full weekend. Limited availability for tickets. Be sure to jump on that. Get them up quick. They're going fast. Come out. Hang out with us that weekend. I don't think I have anything else. So, again, I appreciate you brothers and sisters, kinfolk, so, so much. I hope you all had as much fun as I did tonight. And until next time, we'll see you all later. Mm -hmm.